Welcome to episode two of True to the Cougs, brought to you by Believe Network. My name is Jamie Vinnick, beat writer for CougFan.com, part of the CBS Sports branch of 247 Sports. With me as always, Washington State and Seahawk legend Marcus Trufant. Marcus, how are we doing? I'm doing well, my friend. What's good with you, bro? Oh, you know, living the dream. Just living the dream in Pullman. Get the nice Labor Day today. We're recording here on Monday. And, uh, you know, right after uh, the Cougars opening 24-17 victory over Idaho. We'll get to that in a minute. But, you know, one thing that got was told to me by a lot of people, you know, friends and family, it's like, wow, you know, Marcus Trufant, that was my favorite player growing up. So it got me thinking, Marcus Trufant, who was your favorite player growing up? Well, Jamie, um, I would say to tell all your friends and family that I appreciate that, of course, from the heart. But some of my favorite players growing up, and I'll take it even a step further, being on the West Side, the Cougs, of course, um, of course, as we both know, don't get a lot of love over here. So when I started my Washington State process of the recruiting trips and all that kind of stuff, the man on campus was Steve Gleason. His energy on the field was nuts, really like one of those guys that you see in the movies, the middle linebacker, quarterback of the team, loved his energy. And a uh, fun fact I didn't know is that the dude played baseball as well, man. And I think Leeds holds the record maybe for RBIs or something like that. But the dude is an all-around athlete. And I say that like you think football, you think Washington State football, Steve Gleason was that went on to be drafted by the Saints and was the emotional leader of that team, especially when you talk about after Katrina hit all that kind of energy, man, that's what this dude is. is all around great player now has ALS raises ton of money to help with that cause and bring awareness. So Steve Gleason is the man. And I would say personally, outside of Marcus Trufant, of course, um, uh, mine is Reggie Bush, 100%. A uh, guy I'm sure you played against a few times, but I uh, see, I grew up a hockey fan. You know, I'm six, seven years old, and it's all hockey for me. And I watch USC, Fresno State, Reggie Bush breaks off that now iconic run. He has the backwards juke. That moment right there, I was like, I was in awe. I was like, that was like my first taste of football. And then I had like, you know, they had those fat heads back in the day. You put on your wall. I had his fat head. I had his jersey. Uh, no, Reggie Bush. That was my guy growing up. I like just loved watching him. Um, and then, you know, I think uh, as I've grown, grown older, it was as a Seahawk fan, it was hard not to love Russell Wilson. Obviously, he's on the other side now. But, you know, I think mm -hmm. yeah, you, you grew up in Seattle and, you know, I was 16, 17 of those Super Bowl teams. It was hard not to love Russ. Hard not to love Russ. Yeah, man. And that's going to be the funny thing coming up here in seven days or so is what the fans are going to think of Russ on his way back, man. Is there going to be a bunch of booze or are they going to have out the, the shades? I've heard of people already making shirts. Uh, is it? No, uh, Seattle. We got a deal. <laughs> These kind of new <laughs> shirts with the Russell isms that we all or accustomed to hearing, but it should be fun, man. It should be a good game. It's going to be crazy, and let's hope our Seahawks is ready, huh? Oh, that's what I'm hoping for. You know, but but I do have to say, I, I, Brandon McManus can hit a few field goals. He's my fantasy kicker this year, so Seahawks maybe win that one, you know, like 43 to, we'll say 12. McManus hits 450 yarders. That, that's just what I need. I mean, just... Got to take care of the fantasy. Yeah, of course, Got to take course. care of the fantasy first. I did uh, that, yeah. 
So now we'll move into the second segment, and we're going to talk about uh, the Coug game against Idaho. We'll move on from the Seahawk talk to Washington State's opening night win against Idaho last Saturday, 24-17 in Martin Stadium. Uh, a game that I think on the surface we can probably agree was not what we'd expect. I, I think there was the expectation that the Cougs were going to come in. They were going to send Idaho back to Moscow in a matter of minutes. That's not what happened. I, I think I even wrote that if Cameron Ward was playing in the fourth quarter, something had gone wrong. Well, he was playing in the fourth quarter. Uh, <laughs> it was Idaho came out feisty. They came out intense, and the Cougs came out kind of flat. Um, you know, and Jake Dickard emphasized after the game, hey, we won. And that's the most important thing he said today in his press conference. You know, we look back over the tape, and the first thing that stands out is we won that game. I think most Kook fans realize that was not a given, given some of the last few years of FCS losses and shocking opening losses. But, um, you know, I, I do think it is fair to say that it was not the, the most impressive performance from Washington State um, in that opener. I would agree. I would agree with that all the way around. I think for us as Kook fans, I know we wanted to come out. We wanted to do a bunch of crazy stuff and put up crazy numbers. Wanted to see Cam run crazy throw a bunch of crazy touchdowns and stuff like that. But we, on the positive side of things, I think the defense came to play. And, of course, there was a lot of positive on the offensive well. After they got settled in a little bit, new offense, new quarterback, I always personally feel like the offense runs behind the defense. Um, going into training camp and as they learn and the learning curve and all that, the offense is usually always a couple of steps behind. But just like I said, the defense came out, man, they – stopped the run, they got turnovers, they made it real uncomfortable for um, Giovanni over there at um, Idaho. But I don't think it's a time to panic, though, right? I know you said if Cam Ward is still in the game, something didn't go right. Things didn't go right. It was up and down. But overall, we got the victory. Coos got the dub. But we do need to play a lot better, especially – strolling in to next week. I know we'll get to that later as well, but it, 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 as far as the defense, I'm impressed. When you get turnovers and you can give the ball back to a high-powered offense like we got, man, it's going to be a good day. So, yeah. You know, a friend of mine always says when it comes to basketball, you know, a team's going to play their five best games. They're going to play their five worst games. The rest of the games are who they are. I think you could conceivably argue that that was one of Washington State's worst games, and they still got the win. Um, you know, I think, you know, there are not going to be a lot of games this season where Washington State fumbles three times. Their all-conference kicker is not going to miss a 23-yarder. I mean, he could take that kick 100 times, and he's going to hit 98 of them. Right. Um, you know, I think yeah. a lot of things went wrong for Wazoo, um, but they still managed to do enough. I mean, you know, even some of the plays where, you know, there was not that chemistry between the quarterbacks and receivers. Uh, I mean, Idaho seemed to complete every ball they threw downfield, no matter how tight the coverage, no matter – um, how maybe underthrown or overthrown the ball was. It all seemed to kind of land. I mean, there were a couple balls that their receivers caught that the cornerback laid a heavy, heavy hit. They still came up with it. You know, you don't win a lot of games in which you lose the turnover battle, but they did do that. And I think they made enough plays. And, and as I was just saying, you know, you look at those Portland State games, those Eastern Washington games, those were losses to Big Sky teams. And, and, you know, you look at that in hindsight, oh, Eastern had Cooper Cup. Yes, that was probably a bit of a different, you know, different game. Portland State went to the, uh, the FCS playoffs that year. But that Portland State team, ironically, going into 2015, was coming off a three and nine year and had a new coach. And personally, I was impressed with Idaho. I mean, that did not look like a lower tier FCS team. They looked very well prepared, very intense, very fiery. 
Um, I, I think they're under the right direction with the new coach, Jason Eck. So, you know, again, as we said, Washington State has to play better, but I don't think this was just some absolute unmitigated disaster. I, I don't think there's such a thing necessarily as a bad win. There might be an ugly win, and I think this would constitute Agreed. an ugly win, but, you know, would you rather win ugly or lose pretty? I mean, you think Utah's feeling better right now? They lost pretty to Florida. Well, Wazoo won ugly against Idaho. They <laughs> right. have a win. Yeah. So A win is a win, man. A dub is a dub. So I, I feel that 100%. But I know Coach Dickert and his staff, you talk about those turnovers and the three fumbles, right? And I know you're there at practice pretty much every day. What do you think this practice week is going to look like? I, um, there has to be an emphasis on ball security. So what do you think that's going to look like? I know it's not going to be old school where they're going to be doing up downs and running lines and all that kind of stuff, but what do you think is going to happen? I, I wouldn't say that's not out of the question. I mean, there might be some, okay. a little bit of, you know, they would, they would punish fumbles. You fumbled in practice. You were doing push-ups or up downs. So uh, I'm I sure like there's it. some kind of, Hey, that's not acceptable, but, I think the players know that too. I don't think they had to go tell Jalen Jenkins or Nakia Watson or Donovan Ollie, Hey, you can't fumble. They know that they understand that. Right. Um, but I, I do think there's probably going to be an emphasis on hanging onto the ball. You know, they'll get the pads out and they'll hit guys with the pads and say, you need to hold on to the football. Um, you know, those are the type of things that can lose you games and, you know, against better opponents will lose you games. So I do think that there's going to be an emphasis on, you know, holding on to the ball and there's probably going to be some kind of, I don't want to call it a punishment, but a, you know, this is what happens when you fumble, you know, you roll the field or you do up downs or you do push-ups or I'll something. Say it should be a punishment. Uh, I guess if you can call it a friendly competition punishment, it should be something there, some type of incentive just to have the kids thinking about it. I think that could be good. A cordial reminder to not fumble the football, if you will. There you go. A cordial reminder. I, I think that's that. probably the, the <laughs> best it. way to summarize it. Uh, but no, yeah. I mean, we'll be, I'll be interested to see tomorrow. Uh, they didn't have practice today with Labor Day. Um, see tomorrow, you know, what kind of, uh, what are they maybe doing? And we're not allowed to talk about what they're doing at practice now um, just because the season started. So can't reveal any secrets, but I'll be curious just secrets. to see, uh, you know, <laughs> right. maybe uh, what are the, what are, what are the, uh, the punishment, what are the running backs doing today? And just especially, right. you know, coach Mark Atawaya. And he was, you know, he's the type of coach that, He's going to be the first to tell you, to give you a hug. He's going to put your arm around you. And then if you drop, put the ball on the ground, he is going to be letting you know he's one of the more vocal coaches. So I'm sure. Tough love. Uh, oh, tough yeah, love. That's, that's a good way to summarize it. Some tough love. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about from the game, um, and just from your perspective, who were maybe two or three guys that really, really impressed you um, on Saturday? Um, the guy that I was really watching that surprised me, man, was um, – Henley, Henley at the middle linebacker. He was the energizer bunny, a dude with sideline to sideline. And from watching the game, I've, I can see the athleticism, right? Dude's been in every room pretty much. I heard he played receiver a little bit. He played um, running back. He, he played all types of different positions, Play, has played a lot of football, but this is his first year, of course, with the Cougs. But he came out and really made some big plays, man. And I was in on pretty much every play, it seemed like. It was a sack or there was a big run stop or it was um, – it could be anything on defense. It, the dude was there and he made it happen. And, of course, it wasn't just him. It was a bunch of guys out there making a bunch of plays. But he stood out to me. I like, of course, when the big guys is up front. I could give a big shout-out to the D-line. They 
played their tails off. I always say that the best coverage is a sack or a hurry or something that's going to make the quarterback un, um, that's going to make the quarterback uncomfortable. But anytime your linebacker is dropping right, he's doing all the right stuff. It makes it easier for the skinny guys on the back. So a big shout out to my man, number one. I think Henley um, is kind of, you know, to me, he's more of the, the modern linebacker, more of what maybe Micah Parsons is for the Cowboys. Whereas Jahad Woods last year, as prolific as he was and as great of a career as he was, he was kind of more of the, you know, the old school, the Bobby Wagner, the Lofa Tatupu linebacker for our Seahawks fans right. on here. The guys who rack up tackles and they're just machines. But maybe that's kind of more of their skill set. They're not covering receivers. They're not necessarily coming off the edge as much. And that's still an extremely effective and important linebacker. Henley is just kind of more of that, that modern uh, type linebacker. Um, and I think it's, you know, I think it's one of those things where it helps you in terms of modernizing your football team, where you have the guy to play sideline to sideline, you know, he's downfield on a receiver to seal the game with the interception. It's just right. having a guy like that's a little different. And just like you said, I think that's the way we're going now. These guys, and you talk about wide receivers and how big and tall they're getting now, they're going the same for linebackers that have to be able to cover. They're more built like a power forwards, right? They come with the big wingspan and guys that are not just smashed mouth guys in the middle that are going to take on a fullback over and over again. Just like you said, this guy seals the game with the interception. And that's big for a linebacker. There's some guys that could do it, and there's some guys that can't, and this guy is a natural at it, so it's a good look. I think the last thing, too, just to kind of point out before we move on to the next segment is uh, I know there were a lot of concerns about the offense, and, again, rightfully so. It was not a crisp performance. I don't think that's the Washington State offense. I, I think that was a shell, a vanilla version of, of what it could be. I think what you saw on the touchdown to DeJon Shribling, the touchdown to Jalen Jenkins – those are kind of plays that I expect more of. You know, they do the, the fake pitch to Stribling or fake pitch to me to Nikia Watson. Stribling kind of leaks through on the right side and waltzes into the end zone. On the Jenkins touchdown, they fake it to Watson, hit Jenkins in the flat, and he scoots in. I think that's more of what we see. I, I don't think this generic uh, kind of bland offense is anything representative of what Eric Morris's offense is going to be. Just based off what we saw in fall camp and practice, and then just it's just not his style. I think they kind of try to keep it vanilla um, and hide a lot of what they're going to do, not wanting to give away secrets for Wisconsin, which segues us into segment three. Wisconsin, that is the game this week, 1230, uh, a absolutely massive non-conference game for the Cougars. Their first Power 5 non-con game uh, since 2015 when they went to Rutgers. Uh, I, I think you can't talk about Wisconsin without talking about offensive line, running back, linebackers. The same story, it's been forever. There's always those guys in the NFL, and they certainly have a good one. Braylon Allen, uh, their superstar running back. You get a team like this, Marcus, where the running back is the key. The offensive line is going to be 310 corn-fed boys from the Midwest. And then you've got an okay game manager quarterback. How do you beat a team like that? Well, for the Cougs, I know they they – played the one the run well against Idaho was it a fluke was it just an Idaho thing to where they could stuff the run against a lower tier team I don't know but the Cougs they have to be able to show up and it, just like I said the D-line and the linebackers took care of business so um 
been looking forward to that, man. And I think the Cougs are going to be ready. Just like Idaho gave the Cougars their best shot. They came out swinging. The Coug players are coached well. They got a lot of pride, man. They don't want to go in there. They don't want to go into Wisconsin and be beat up and be embarrassed. Because you go in there with a chip on your shoulder. Guys that are supposed to be rated higher than you. I'm talking about as far as the recruiting and stuff like that. Guys that get these opportunities, it becomes a personal thing. Okay, I want to go out here, show and prove that I could play football with these guys. Yeah, we're over here on the West Coast, but we still play football too. So I think it really comes down to execution, not letting the moment get too big and going out there and do what you did against Idaho, the good stuff, as far as stuffing the run, everybody getting there, playing excited on defense, and then rallying around the ball and trying to get turnovers. You know, I think the other thing is, you know, it's going to be a personal game for Nakia Watson. I mean, he played at Wisconsin and, you know, lost his starting job and kind of built that chip on his shoulder. He's going to be ready for it. Obviously, Wisconsin is where Jake Dickert is from. Um, So there's that aspect to it. So there is a little bit of that personal aspect you know, and they've talked about how, oh, it's not going to impact the game. We're just going to go there, coach, and play. I mean, I think of it course, has to. Right? Yeah, of course, right? Of course, right, yeah. I mean, you can probably say when you'd go back to the west side and play against Washington, um, obviously there's the built-in rivalry there, but it was never just another game, was it? No, it was never just another game. And sometimes that did get in the way of the game, right? And guys would be so jacked up. You know, you got the old guys that used to be at Washington State are sending letters back to practice, they're reading this stuff before practice all week, right? So it becomes this big show. And the good teams figure out a way to still get excited, still be fired up, but still be focused. Some of those cool teams of the past that I was on, I feel like we got a little too jacked up at points. We'll be doing things out of character, a bunch of penalties, a bunch of this, a bunch of that, but you still got to be focused. There is going to be that chip on everybody's shoulder. There is that crossover of Coach Dicker going back to his hometown, but everybody remain calm. And let's go in there and not that we want to shock the world, but we want to go in there and play good football. And I think that's where it starts. You know, I think as we kind of just talked about too, it's going to come down to, can you get Wisconsin behind the chains? You try and make the quarterback Graham Mertz beat you. That's how you win. You let them right. get into second and two, third and two. That's not an easy way to win with how good Braylon Allen is. Um, and then on the flip side, get ahead of the change. I mean, Nick Herbig, oh, they're all-American linebacker, one of the best in the business. Sacks, tackles for loss. He's, he's that Henley kind of guy. He does everything. So you have to put him in spots where he can't impact the game as much as he would like to. One other thing kind of interesting about Wisconsin, their offensive coordinator. A former teammate of yours, Bobby Engram. Be easy. Yeah. <laughs> Talk us through the offensive mind of Bobby Engram having played against him and I'm sure going against him a lot in practice. Going against him every day in practice and we called him be easy because this guy was just so smooth and his routes made everything look the same. It was down to the detail. So that's what the offense is going to look like. I know Wisconsin came out um, this week and had 221 yards on the ground. It's going to be a long day for the Cougs if we let those numbers get up there like that. But it, it, just like you said, Jamie, getting off the field and not letting them be ahead of the chains and getting in those favorable third down situations. If we can make them uncomfortable, let's get turnovers, man. Let's, let's get stops. Let's get three and outs that potentially could make them rush. Um, 
But, you know, I never seen Bobby Ingram kind of get flustered, but trying to rush things and trying to force things down the field, that's how you create turnover. So if they can just be patient, um, and I'm talking about as far as the defense, and not try to go and be greedy and, man, and um, just bring the house and rush everybody and do all that kind of stuff, play good, sound defense, pretty much give what the offense is giving you, but make those stops, make them uncomfortable, and give the ball back to the offense. You know, I think one other thing uh, it's kind of worth mentioning when it comes to Wisconsin is, you know, we talked about Braylon Allen, how good he is at 6'2", 235. That is huge for a running back. You right. think back to some of the guys you played against. Is it tougher to face a guy like that that is just an absolute tank, or is it easier to face, or is it tougher to face, you know, the absolute electric speed backs, the guys who can just get to the sideline and say, forget it, see you later? Well, you talked about, um, you talked about your guy and you talked about Reggie Bush, right? Yes. So playing against a dude like that, it's, it's scary, right? Because in any situation you could be on sports center, it's going to be a highlight. This dude's so fast. He's so electric. So you kind of come into the game. Okay. I got to be right on everything. I got to have my Leverage right. I got to make sure my pad level is right, all that kind of stuff. But when you're going against a big bruising running back, it's kind of the same thing. You don't want to be that guy that's getting trucked on national TV. You don't want to be the guy that's getting ran over, that's being made fun of in the film room on a Sunday or Monday. So you come in and um, so I know for me, playing against the bigger guys, it was always okay. Hold my leverage and let the big boys come right and let the gang get there and then we could all jump on all at the same time man and get our little piece so that's what the coups have to do um it's cliche but you talk about everybody has to get to the football everybody has to be on a string that stuff sounds cliche but it's real deal especially when you're playing a big bruising back you got to slow him down before he gets started who's the toughest running back for you to tackle in your career oh man toughest running back for me to tackle in my career. I've played against Adrian Peterson. I've played against Reggie Bush. I've played against guys like, um, um, I've played against a little bit of everybody. I, I played against Maurice Claret from Ohio State when he was at Ohio State to compare it to the college situation. These guys going into Wisconsin, it's going to be, Big time football, and you know you got the name recognition, everything that comes with it. But it's not so much about the name, right? After you get through that first quarter, or you get those um, through those first couple hits, the name kind of goes out the window. It's just football at that point, so it didn't matter who it was. It could be Adrian Peterson, it could be Barry Sanders, it could be anybody. It's, it's just like they're there to play football. I'm here to play ball too, and let's strap it up and let's get it done. Before we uh, use that Maurice Claret uh, reference into a segue, uh, let's go with a score prediction for the game. What do you got? Oh, man. I, I would like to see it be a close game. I would like to see the Cougs kind of get into this game in 2021-24, this thing. They keep it close. They keep everybody on the edge of their seats, but the Cougs come out with the victory. I'm just I'm going to go with what I said in my article. Um, I, I just – I don't love the matchup for Wazoo. I think Allen is just such a load 
Um, I, I think that it might take I, I think coming off a week in which your offense didn't look great and having to see Wisconsin is not a good matchup. So I actually went 30 to 13 Wisconsin and I hope, I hope I am wrong, but this we just, hope I you're on the wrong side of this thing. Right. Yeah. I don't have a ton of confidence in this game just because of the timing and because of what the matchup looks like. Um, okay. Well, but, tell me this. Tell me this, Jamie, before you jump off of it. So is it more of the defense or you don't think the offense is going to be able to keep up with the pace of the game? I think my big concern is, is really the run defense. And it was up and down for Wazoo last year. Um, now, it was great against Idaho. And, and maybe it's really taken a big jump. But I don't think these guys have seen a running back like Braylon Allen. I mean, maybe some of the veteran ones would have seen Miles Gaskin while he was at Washington. Um, there's been some other good ones. David Montgomery at Ohio, at Iowa State in the Alamo Bowl. Um, even Lou Nichols last year um, in the Sun Bowl. But this is a different breed. This is a Big Ten, big, tough, strong running back from a school that produces a lot of big, tough, and strong running backs. I just don't know if the matchup is going to favor Washington State. And I think Wisconsin's got enough grit and physicality that they're going to kind of move Wazoo off the line on both sides. Again, I want to be wrong, and I hope we're talking about this next week that the Cougs yeah. won 56 to zero. But um, I, I just see it <laughs> going to be a tough week, um, you know, maybe with the timing and still trying to kind of figure out the offensive identity. Uh, and man, a little bit of David and Goliath then. And I'm, yeah, man, I'm riding with the Cougs though, man. I've been here before. So being that underdog, being overmatched. So I think the speed of the Coug defense is going to show up, but it's just like you said, time will tell. So we'll see. You know, it's funny. I do a, uh, a weekly article on kookfan.com with your old teammate, Will Durding. And Will yeah. has not, we've done now, it would have been 14 games, uh, 15 now, including this one. Will has not picked against the Cougs yet and has outright said, the Cougs could be playing the New England Patriots, and I would still pick the Cougs. So, my is, man, dirty. I like I, it. I like it. I figured that would be, uh, you know, but no, I, uh, I, I, I think, I think Wisconsin. I hope it's the Cougs. Um, you know, one of the guys you mentioned right towards the end of uh, that first segment, we were talking about the toughest guy to tackle, Maurice Claret. Um, you know, you've been in an environment like this. You played at Ohio State uh, in a pretty high-profile game. What was that like? I mean, we're talking about the shoe. We're talking about one of the biggest college football stadiums in the country, one of the most just hostile environments. What was playing in Columbus like? It was everything that you just said, man. You walk into this thing like and the stadium, it looked like the top of the stadium was pretty much in the clouds, right? And this is just for walkthrough. <laughs> the stadium was empty, so I'm like, Wow. And then on game day, dude, man, it was it was nuts, man. I can actually say that um, I guess I won't speak for everybody, but I was rattled a little bit, man. It was different football than playing there in Pullman and playing in the Pac-12 or playing in the Pac-10. It was different, man. It was big time football. The crowd was different. The Energy was different. So we had to settle in, man. And even though we never really settled in, but <laughs> it was just a difference, man. We really got beat up that game. Claret ran all over the place on us. I had a bunch of tackles. And that's not good if your corner has a lot of tackles. That means that the D-line and the linebackers and the running back is having a field day. I guess I'll just say that. And it wasn't a very good it, um, it wasn't a very good game for us overall, so I'm hoping the Cougs could bring a little bit different energy 
they won't be shell shocked. I don't believe, and they can come out with victory. But it was tough for us, man. The D line um, crushed our offensive line, and their offensive line just crushed our defensive line, man. And we kind of still had that same type of defense. We had that speed defense, so we really just didn't put it together. But I believe it helped our team for the rest of the season. We saw that. And as we settle into that game, we did not that we made it competitive, but we were able to compete, man. And playing against guys like Chris Gamble at that time and Michael Jenkins were some of those big time receivers. They didn't really do it like that because they didn't have to. So the running back came and sold out, played in the shoe. It was like being in a movie gladiator and just being down in the pit, man, everybody's against you. It had that type of energy. You know, one thing um, just kind of on that, you know, you talk about Claret. Who uh, who was the quarterback at that time for Ohio State? Uh, who was a quarterback at time? I I don't even know, but it was more of like a game manager type of quarterback. It wasn't like the quarterback was putting up big numbers or doing anything like that. It was the running backs there. So it was pretty much the same thing as as this situation where you go into the game and all right, we got to stop this guy. This is this is the guy. We got to stop their ground game, and then it's easier said than done to stop their ground game. Right. Yes, it's easier said than done. But going into games like this, I think it's hard to. Um, yes, you want to stop what they do best, but you want to be able to make them fight with one hand. Right. So if they have the running game and you stop that and you force the quarterback to have to throw and that's not his bread and butter, you got to come out and stop that, too, because a quarterback that's playing big time football could show up, of course, if, um, could show up if his number is called. But if you can make them one dimensional, okay, they can't run, make the quarterback have to force it in there. That's where you get the turnovers and you get those type of plays because they're forcing it and they're doing things they're not comfortable doing. So I'm hoping that's what happens. Hopefully uh, you are right on that. Um, transitioning now to the fifth segment, as we start to wrap this up, uh, the PAC 12, maybe not the best week in the high profile games. Uh, Oregon gets <laughs> run off the field by Georgia and Utah comes oh so close, but falls short to Florida. Um, is the PAC 12 week or is that just those two teams meeting the SEC and running into the SEC? Those are two very good teams. You talk about Georgia, Georgia is a damn good football team. And, um, that's just how it works sometimes, man. And if you don't, take care of those little things. We talked about the turnovers and stuff that Washington State had. If they're playing against a good teams, good teams take advantage of that. Teams that are good like Georgia, they're going to capitalize on your every mistake. And you talked about Washington State earlier and those three turnovers they had. They're, they're not going to be able to win against the big-time programs and organizations if you do that. So um, if that's what happened to Oregon, right? capitalize on mistakes and guys are playing big time football. There's no room for error. And then you talk about Utah. Um, they played tough. They played tough, but mistakes in crucial situations will get you beat every time against a good team. So, you know, are we still thinking though that Utah, are they still maybe the class of the PAC 12 or, you know, USC, they had a resounding win. Granted it was rice. I mean, what, Where's your kind of mind go when it comes to the Pac-12? I think I think that Utah is still the standard. I think they're uh, 
a team that showed and proved that they got very close. They got very close. Um, but like I said, those small mistakes are going to come back to haunt you. So just like we said earlier, a win is a win. And you talk about SC and it doesn't matter who you're playing against. If you can win big against a smaller organization, that's what you're supposed to do. So um, I think the pack is still in good standing. The pack is always going to be the underdog because that's just the way it is. And that's kind of the energy that they give us. We're kind of like the stepbrother or like the little brother to all these other big time um, conferences that are supposed to be playing big time football and are supposed to have all these better players. But we play some good football over here, too. So I like the pack. I like where we at. Moving just kind of into our uh, our last segment now. Um, obviously, the Cougs are on the road this week, so I know a lot of people are going to be there in person, and a lot of people going to be watching at home. Marcus, what's uh, what's in your glass for uh, for the Wisconsin game this weekend? What uh, adult beverage are you indulging in? Oh, what adult beverage, man! And you talked about it last week, man. You said that you're a little bit older now, so you're a little bit more refined, and you're, of course, you you enjoy your brew, but you like your whiskey. So I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna join you, man. I'm gonna keep it basic. I'm gonna do crown Royal neat and some type of chaser, man, but something to uh, keep me relaxed something to keep me calm and something to keep me from panicking as we fight through in this, um, this big time game that's coming up. So I'm crown Royal all day, baby. You know, I, I still have to work the game writing. So uh, no, no, no drinking on the job for me, but after the <laughs> okay. game, you know, probably yeah. uh, probably a nice glass of scotch, something, you know, like that, you know, kind of too old for the, the hardcore partying every weekend. And, um, you know, I just, yeah, you, you, you realize that when you get out of college, you can't uh, you can't go go too hard anymore or you do it for a day. You wake up the next morning. Wow. OK, can't do that anymore. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it no, takes me two or three days to recover nowadays. Yeah, man. And that's just that's just father time right there. You know, a hangover used to be a few hours, if one and all. Now it's like two weeks later, I'm still tired from something. Tell but, me about it. Tell me about it. Yeah. You know, hopefully the offensive line can just, uh, you know, the, I think, again, you know, just finishing off with uh, one last thing about the Wisconsin game, and that's just, you know, the the big boys can chumber up in the trenches and just kind of, you know, get get a, get a push on the line. I think that's where you're going to see it won. But, uh, you know, want to thank everyone for listening to True to the Cougs with Jamie Vinnick and Marcus Trufant. Brought to you by, by Believe Network. Make sure to follow True to the Cougs on social media. Follow myself and follow Marcus. And, of course, check me out on CougFan.com. Shameless plug there. I'm, I'm rolling with it. Um, As you should, baby. As course. you should. Go Cougs. I like it. Yeah. That's how we have to conclude. And uh, for Marcus Trufant, I'm Jamie Vinnick, and we'll send you off with a Go Cougs. Go Cougs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.